Welcome to the Pet Loss Companion. I'm Ken Dolan Del Vecchio, and I'm here with my friend and colleague and co-author Nancy Saxton Lopez. And this is a broadcast that we do live every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern time, and then it's available on on YouTube and on Facebook for replay. It's also available on a number of podcast outlet outlets. So please uh, send us any comments or questions you may have because we like very much to respond to them during the broadcast and they often shape the, the subjects that we deliver. This is the opportunity for us to take the content that we originally delivered in our book the Pet Loss Companion, Healing Advice from Family Therapists Who Lead Pet Loss Groups, and to bring it to a much larger, larger audience and also to bring it, bring some new ideas and recommendations as well. So it's great to have you with us. We'd like to let you know that this program is a friend of Dakin Humane Society in Springfield, Massachusetts. Dakin is a 501c3 community-supported animal welfare organization that provides shelter, medical care, spay-neuter services, and behavioral rehab for more than 20,000 animals and people every year. Since its inception in 1969, Dakin has become one of the most recognized nonprofit organizations in central Massachusetts and a national leader in animal welfare. You can learn more about Dakin and make a donation at dakinhumane.org, that's D-A-K-I-N-H-U-M-A-N-E.org. And you can reach me at Ken, D as in David, D as in David, V as in Victor, at gmail.com. And you can reach Nancy at N Saxton Lopez, that's N-S-A-X-T-O-N-L-O-P-E-Z at C-S-M-P-C. Dot com. Nancy, you want to get us started? Yeah. I mean, I started to do a lot of research. We had talked about, or, or we got a, and we got a message from someone that wanted um, to us to talk about intuition, like intuitive thinking between animals and their pets and us and humans. Um, and, you know, how we communicate, you know, together. And there's a lot of information on this, by the way. I mean, I was pretty overwhelmed with trying to, to look through all of the research. Um, but we do know that animals have a sixth sense and they can have, they have the power to discern the true nature of a person or a, or a situation. And you were just kind of talking about your horse, Henry. You know, and how he he had great intuition. Well, horses horses are incredibly attuned to our mood and our demeanor. And my ex wife Lynn, friend who's a great friend, did some training with horses being employed within various therapeutic encounters, and also in leadership training. So, because horses will come to a person who is calm and open, but they'll be very shy around somebody who seems closed or perhaps a bit flighty or anxious. And there's a lot that can be learned and there's a lot you can learn about yourself in just being in their presence and, and connecting with them in ways that are positive and, and low key 
and loving as opposed to dominating and and pushy and so there's a lot that can be done and and just in that interaction there's a there's a huge body of literature yeah. and experience yeah. when it comes to horses but one of the things i mentioned is when we're we're working with our horse she and i were guardians of a horse years back you would we learn things like when you're riding all you got to do when your horse is very attuned to you and i consider riding to be like dancing mm -hmm. when you're sure when you're very connected with your horse partner, all you'd have to do sometimes is turn your head. And, and they, they horse would, would, Henry was his name, oh, Henry formally, <laughs> would catch up. I mean, he knew because he was totally paying attention to how your body was was feeling on, on his back. And I mean, really amazing the kind of attention that can develop in partnership with a horse and of course with other animals as well. I'm sorry, I, I kind of jumped no, in. No, 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 because, well, horses are used for therapy, right? Yeah, um, And a lot of uh, autistic kids or disabled kids, there's there's pony power up here in Mawa and they have kids that come and ride the horses um, mm -hmm. and then stop and do different exercises. Um, and it's, it's a wonderful program. Um, so, you know, horse, we don't talk a lot about horses here, but horses are- No, and, and Henry, who is has been retired for some time? We're not actually sure if he's still among the living. But the last, the last we knew, he was at a, he was at a facility in Pennsylvania that did exactly what you're describing, where he was a therapy horse, and so his his job was to, was to assist in healing children who had all sorts of behavioral and emotional difficulties. Right. And a lot of times, I mean, I have uh, people that I know that I went to uh, UT with that, you know, used had had horses growing up and and they really connected to them and they were very comforting and soothing, oh. and, and, you know, because they were going through a lot of, of trauma in their life. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's good to talk about horses once in a while because we don't usually. We have a lot of dogs and cats here. And, of course, there are many other animals that people love. It could be a guana, right? It could be, you know, a gecko. I mean, it could be a bird, right? So, um, but um, animals do rely very heavily on intuition. And the issue for us is, because that's all they rely on, the issue for humans is that we really more rely on our cognitive abilities. So when we have those gut reactions, sometimes we don't take heed to those. You know, well, we'll, we'll think about it first as opposed to reacting to our gut. And when and when you say intuition, you're talking about that kind of gut knowledge, right? Exactly. Like the, taking in all kinds of information that you don't even know you're taking in, but you're taking it in through an emotional awareness. Yes. Right. And so the, it, the intuition, the way I think about it is it's taking in all this information that helps, you know, without actually thinking about it. That's right. It just it just becomes, as you said, kind of a gut awareness. And, and, and we can develop that more by yeah. using all of our senses and really paying attention to the senses as opposed to, you know, just thinking about something um, because people who have developed uh, their own intuition can form a real bond um, with an animal and that involves the transmission of feelings 
intentions, thoughts, mental um, images, emotions, sensations, and pure knowing, which then it, it's such a, that is such a connection, right? I mean, we're connected, all of us are connected to our animals, but we can actually be more attuned with them. They're attuned to us. Yeah, they're, they're watching, they're paying us. attention. They watch all the time. Yeah. And they, they go by vocalizations and they go by facial expressions and body language. Body language, yeah. They do really pay attention to us. Yeah. And and this is what happens is you know, doing some of this uh this research and talking to you about it is um you just said that um Abigail came over to you after Isabel died because you were upset and actually put her paw. So she Abigail was a very empathic soul. She would go to the other dogs if they were feeling sad, I mean, she would go and put her paw on them and she would do that. And if you were, if you were having a bad day, she was, she was really attuned to that. And she would kind of nestle up to you and, and look at you with great concern. And, and I think, I think many, many pets are that way. They're really paying attention. They, they are, they're emotionally open in ways that we are often not so open. Exactly, because they go by intuition, right? Yeah. So, and and they've done a lot of research. They had actually there was there was um, an experiment that they did that they had they had dogs come and they had pictures of humans and pictures of dogs and then sounds. So so if if the picture of the human was smiling and the sound was happy, they would actually pay attention more to that and look at it longer than if it was the opposite meaning that somebody was happy, but but the sound wasn't happy. Or so, it, it was kind of this interesting thing that they really were very surprised by as how attentive and how much these dogs took in and matching things. So, you're, so the way I understand it, you're saying they would show dogs a picture of a human being like and and it, either smiling or yeah. some other attitude and making some kind of noise like, maybe smiling and laughing. Yeah, right. Or smiling and saying something that didn't yeah, was, sound very happy. Bad, all right. And that was incongruous for them. Right. And if they no. and if they if it matched, if it was they, congruent, the dog would, would pay be, attention. And if yeah. not, they wouldn't pay attention. Right. So it wouldn't really make sense. If it didn't make sense to them, they wouldn't pay attention. Exactly. Isn't, yeah. that, isn't that interesting? Um but they can be they're very aware of their surroundings and they know what they're their uh their humans your know, humans are feeling yeah and that's what happened i want to go into that for a second with people who have came into the group around euthanasia and said you know i know my my dog my cat knew that we were taking him or her to die and that's not they wouldn't know that but they would intuit the the what the human was feeling right? Yeah. The stress level or the sadness or the anxiety, that's what they would achieve. Sure. Yeah. Cause they're, they're, they're feel they're resonating with your, your feeling. I mean, it, just to extrapolate a little bit, it's a little bit of a digression, but in any relationship in where, in which there is one party that has a lot more power than the other one, the one with less power generally is going to pay a lot of attention to how that other person is feeling because it's important to their well-being mm -hmm. 
to know. So it's kind of like when you're, <laughs> when you work for a boss, when you have a boss, you tend to know, you tend to pay attention to what their mood is like and how they're, you know, how they're conducting themselves. Of course, because, that makes sense. Because you, you need to, you need to be aware of that in order to deal with them. And so it's just a dynamic that's common across all kinds of relationships. And it certainly makes sense that, that animals would be very attuned to us because they depend on us for everything. Yes, of course, they're terribly dependent. Yeah. So there's a big power difference, which we need to be really conscious of all the time and make sure that we exercise our power as love and care and not domination. Very well said. Thank you. <laughs> so, and it's interesting because I think people know this and dogs are have been trained to some of this, but they can intuit earthquakes, storms way before they happen. Yeah. Um, illness, you know, they can sniff out different illnesses and seizures if someone's going into labor. And they know that before maybe even the person knows. Well, yeah, there, there, there are dogs who are employed for that. Yeah, for those reasons. Reason, right? To, and, and to, to pay attention if a person's potentially going to have a seizure. I think also if they're, if they're nearing the point where they may be in diabetic crisis. A diabetic crisis like or that. PTSD if they're going to have some kind of episode. Yeah. And they're old, they can be very easily trained you know, to yeah. do that, which is, but there were some really interesting stories. There was a, I think it was a website bustle and it talked about some examples, which was really interesting. And, and in this case, we can talk about this a little bit. Um, a person, a, a human, a, a pet parrot had a cat that can started to lick the bricks around their fireplace. Hmm. And the cat kept doing that. Now in this case, the pet parent was like, well, that's odd. And I know my cat, right? I know my cat. I know what he, what he's he's like. I know what he does. This is odd. And so, and some people wouldn't pay any attention to that, right? But he did. And he took um, the cat to a vet and, and he had an autoimmune disease. So that so, was just a way of saying he needed help? Is that the... Well, I, I think it was that he was doing, in this case, I think it was the human was really intuitive to what the cat was yeah. doing because it was different. Yeah. It was different. It was distressing yeah. in some level. Right. Yeah. And so, and I think a lot of us, you know, in fact, people say all the time, if you go to veterinarians and I worked, I did an internship at an ER specialty vet for a while and they, they'll come in and say, I know my cat or I know my dog. Yeah. I know what's wrong. And and other people, well, really, what's going on with, with that person or with the cat or the dog? And they will be adamant, you know, that, listen, I know I live with this animal. I know what's going on with them, which I think is our intuition for them. Right. Yeah, we, we, we should be paying. Yeah, we should be paying attention. I just want to also give a shout out to Lily, who is with us and giving a number of comments and saying this is good information and interesting. Thank so you. Nice Lord. to have you with us, Lily. Um, the other one, a pet parent saw a very old sick dog. It, this was, I, I think it was actually more of a teenager or a young adult, and the dog had been very sick. And the dog came into his room in the middle of the night. He was stressed and he was panting. And, and the person said he had a weird look. So he laid down with him on the floor and told him and stroked him and pet him and hugged him and said, it's okay to go. And he mm -hmm. died. Mm -hmm. 
And so the dog came in to see him, wanted to be with him as, as he was dying. And he picked up on this weird look that yeah. the dog had. Yeah. That was an interesting Powerful. Thing. Yeah. Now, this, this one is, is really, really good, too. There was a cat that was owned by family. And, and, and this is from the neighbors and had sent the story. Cat was owned by family and the cat was very close to the grandfather of this family. And at one, sometime, you know, down the road, the family had to move. Right. So, but they didn't, couldn't take the cat. So they gave the cat to the neighbors. Okay. So eight years went by and all of a sudden one day the cat went into a deep depression and he just wasn't really you know happy and he wasn't really eating and he was just mm. kind of moping around and a few days later they they found out that the grandfather had died and they had no. moved, they had moved away right and and they had not kept really in touch with them so there's there's a there's a story that that I recall from from reading and I wish I could remember the the book exactly but it's about the ways that animals intuit all kinds of things, often at great distance. And it, it, it includes stories about and research that's been done trying to figure out why dogs will know that their owner is coming home. <laughs> that we wait. Yeah. Like you put a their video camera will be watching where the pet, where the dog is, and their their guardian is driving home and the dog will start getting excited. Yeah, they they know. And it's not that they hear the car. It's it's really not clear at all. Like there's no there's no good explanation for it. But the the one story that stays with me is that that apparently in wolf packs, the the hunters, which will be most of the fit adults, will go off to hunt, and the the adult females who are older but not not necessarily going to be part of the hunting party will stay with the pups will stay with the babies and in this account they were called the aunties so the the aunties would stay with the babies and then the somewhere off in the distance the wolf pack will make a kill and when they do that the aunties will gather the pups and bring them to where the kill is without any sort of obvious communication no how, and how interesting so is there's, that? there's all kinds of there's all kinds of of observations of this sort that are not explainable when it comes to what we know about the way communication works in, 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 in at this point like there's there's things that we just can't really explain well, and and there's something interesting with animals that will intuit something like if one of, if they're outside and they're around a small child, what a, you know, and the small child is, is something's happening, you know, they're in the street, something's going on, and that dog will will take off and 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 save that kid, will bring that kid, you know, from potential you know harm and that that happens a lot when you, you can see those stories online all the time yeah that well, dog jumped in to do something he, he that dog immediately said this is dangerous this i've got to do something with this well one, one of the things that that i i feel like 
has become really clearer to me over over the years is that our animals are much more like us and much more they're they're paying attention and they're thinking things through and they're experiencing things at a much higher level than we might assume given everything that we've been taught to think about animals you know we've been kind of taught to think that they're basically much less much less cognitively well yeah they they don't have they're not, they're not thinking they're not you know they're, they're almost you know the the when you're when i was in college we were essentially taught that animals were almost like machines you know and, that they, well, that's, i mean the years ago they, in the beginning do, and and still there's research done on animals that doesn't take into consideration their feelings their needs the realities of what their lives should be like if they were living in their natural state and increasingly i mean it certainly has become clear to me that they're as emotionally present yeah. and as engaged with their life and with everything that's going on around them as we are they're far more like us than they are unlike us that to me has become more and more clear and so, for example, when I, when, as I said, we had Henry the horse for a number of years. We were, we were with him before our son was born. And when you have a horse, you you need to be very attentive to their skin and and keep them clean and and you know just attend to them in a bodily way. And and he had this, he had irritations on his legs, and we would we would apply iodine and wrap them up. It was very, I mean, he was always looking at us like he appreciated it, like he wanted to make sure we weren't going to do anything that was going to be painful. And it was just, it's just so evident that they're like, they're as intact and alert and aware as any of the rest of us are. That's right. And yet so many people, well, of course, there's a group of people that, in, you know, in the world that just don't they just don't love animals, right? Or they're not interested mm -hmm. in them. And, and there are people that are okay with them and they like them and they even love them. But th there's a, a really specific group like us, I think, that um, really consider um, our animals to be family members and, mm -hmm. and a lot of times they're children. So there, and that's where we get a lot of that intuition, you know, mm -hmm. between between them and us. Um and they'll, and they'll, and part of that is they 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 also talk to us or they give us messages, and there was a, quite a few things in in some of this literature about um, a cat who was very sick and he, he she jumped onto her pet parent's bed, which she had not been able to do because she was she was elderly, um, and they cuddled prior to the vet appointment they had that day. Of which she did not come home from. You know, she yeah. she, she was euthanized. So there there was these messages, and I want to go back to to to. I mean, it still it still really resonates with me. When Molly died, I think she sent me a sign, and I and we had talked about this on the show, and I talked about that um, with you because in the more in very early morning when I got up, there was a bright light, bright light, on the floor. It was through the window. The window panes were outlined. It was bright white. I've never seen that in 20 some years. I've never seen it since. And I think that was her message to me that I'm, I, I'm leaving. No, I'm saying goodbye. 
So I do think that they, and that can be on, we talked about this uh, after death, right? Spirits, they come back, they come and see us, they visit, they, they may, you know, send little signs. And, and that's another part of this. They're connected to us in spirit. Sure. Oh, ab absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I've got this new puppy now, Hildy, and it's very clear that she, I mean, so many things are clear. One is that she, she has, she has these uh, bursts of energy puppies do, and they're like running like crazy. And then, yeah, they're and then, she, and then she has these times where she's teething because, you know, she's got her puppy teeth, but not her adult teeth yet. And, and you feel like she's in this frenzy and we keep putting things for her to chew in her mouth. And, yeah, and, and it's, it, you can, you can just tell that it's almost like it's almost like an apologetic feeling after afterwards. Like she happens to to gnaw on one of us, and we we do we we've been taught that what we should do is say "ouch" really loudly. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Well, they do hurt because they yeah because that's what you know then because they're learning they're learning how to how to deal with the world and whatnot. But it's so clear that even this little baby has. You know, she's very emotionally Attached. present and and yeah. and uh, carried away by impulses sometimes, and other times very, very grounded. And you know, when she's more rested, and as I told you, she she will now sometimes go to the door when she has to go out, and that's really something for me to see. Like all of a sudden, this little puppy is sitting next to the door. Like you know, I have to go to the bathroom. Hey, listen, and, I, yeah, where's the leash? <laughs> and, and it's just, it's amazing the way they yeah, just, I know. they are totally, they're present. And the more that you, the more that we are present with them, the more we get that, I think. You know, and the more, and we, the more we, we get out, out of the relationship, the more they get out of the relationship, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is yeah. Just really, and, and they're just, Animals are just wonderful. You know, we, we've never given them enough, enough, a lot, a lot of people, like you said in the beginning, we don't give them enough credit. They, they really have very special, special, you know, um, they're special beings, you know? Yeah. And so, so what else? Is there, are there other points? Yeah, no, there's pretty much that, but I do want to, we only have a couple minutes. Uh, <clears throat> I want to mention that uh, I think Peggy had written and, um, she she is a it works in the rescue um, of animals, which right. give a lot of credit to people who do that and rescue them and foster them. And she had some major losses and she was asking. And, you know, I want to say, I'm sorry, I Ken and I, our technology is not working. And he sent me the information, Peggy, but I, I never got it. So I will be able to now you know, write to you. But um, she was really concerned about compassion fatigue. Right. In, right. in the arena of rescue, uh, veterinary tax, veterinary, et cetera. You know, the people that work in the animals, the shelters and so forth. So, Peggy, we're going to, Ken and I are going to talk about that. And I think we can maybe do something offline, but a YouTube or something to, to address that. But I wanted to make sure that she knew that. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very important point. And, and it's so important that we give so much credit to the people who work to save animals because there are so many animals that, oh, that need help that, that need that are in desperate straits and and it's a really it's really hard work and often it's thankless and often it's painful 
And so, yeah, Peggy, so we will we'll think about how best to do a presentation on compassion fatigue. For, for, for those folks. And mm -hmm. it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a lot of work and it, it is a very emotional work and you can, you can have, you know, a pretty significant compassion fatigue through, through that. Yep. So it's how to combat that, how to work with it. You know, I mean, I, when you were telling me Peggy's story before we got on, I'm like, it's like when you go into the pet store and you want to take them all home, right? I want right. to take you all, you know, <laughs> and of course you can't. And so, you know, it's, it's really hard. You, you know? can't, we cannot, you cannot say, you know, we can't save them all. We can't save them all. It's, uh, yeah, and that 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 alone is part part of the 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 challenge is to realize that you can you can only we can only do what we can do, and 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 that's the best we and it is good because we have saved so many. Yeah, somebody. Yeah, yep. yep. So Nancy, I guess we'll leave the conversation there. Yeah, and. Uh, Always a pleasure. It's always interesting stuff that that we're that we're chatting about, and I appreciate the research that you do. Oh yeah, thank you. It's fun. It's a lot yeah. of fun. A lot, but it's good. Yeah. All right. Take care. I'll see you. Take next care, time. everyone. Bye bye.